listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, all you fabulous people out in the wonderful world of Facebook, listening to us live from the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton, this is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And uh, who do we have in the studio with us? Andreas Morris, as always. Need up. JP, how you doing, sir? Yep, JP's got a bit of a cold, so we got a little tea and uh, honey going on. Hopefully the voice yeah, will be okay. <laughs> and, our, and our special guests tonight are uh, Barry Burke and his son, Rory Burke, from our academy. How are you gentlemen doing? Fantastic, thank you. Fantastic. Doing well, thanks for asking. Uh, we'll be asking more of you, that's that's for sure. Um, today's show is going to revolve around a lot to do with the Academy. Um, in particular, these two gentlemen here, as you can tell by the accent, they uh, weren't necessarily originally from Canada. <laughs> no, we're hoping to drive up our female listeners with, uh, with those accents. <laughs> with the accents, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you guys are both from Manchester. Yes. Yeah. 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 You have to split that microphone there. Don't don't get me all yeah, uh, goofy in here. Put it in the middle, and we'll just crank her up. Um, so yeah, let's let's get let's, we'll get stuck in right away. Uh, uh, we've been using that stuck term. <laughs> we've been using the term uh, off the air, stuck in quite a bit. Um, let's start with uh, Rory. What are your thoughts on the FC Edmonton Academy and your involvement in the academy, and what it was like to become part of it? Well, first of all, it's it's a great academy. If you if you really like at my age, loving football and all that, playing every day, high high, high quality coaches, sessions, it's it's brilliant. You know, it's um, the training sessions we do are all based on how we how we like to play, how we like to, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's great it, being able to play every day. It's you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes a huge difference being able to play every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of academies out there that, uh, well, I mean, they try. I mean, and it's a good thing that you've got academies out there to try and train teams. But sometimes it's only once a week or twice a week. And, and, yeah, uh, which isn't enough. They're not no. an elite player, which we know that. So I must feel like um, whenever Rory speaks, I should leave so he can be more honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go ahead. No, no. I was, I was just uh, thinking in my own head about the other academies. and the, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are some that are, you know, a couple of days a week, three days a week sometimes. Yeah. But uh, I think most academies are just, uh, I don't know, are they, are they driven more by the clubs then? or? No. Well, I mean, if we're comparing our academy, I mean, I don't think you want to compare in the professional environment versus a non-professional environment. Um you know, ours are fully funded. We want to train these players as, as often as we can um, to get them ready to move up to a senior level. So we have no choice but to train that many days a week. There, there's other academies that will train that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, club programs might have add-on academies or whatnot on top of their team training. But, no, nah, um, there's private academies that will train this much, yeah. especially in Ontario. Sigma, uh, to name one, which has been quite successful. But there's uh, so there's other private programs that are paid for programs yeah. that will do this type of training. But the LTPD tells us what we need to uh, the amount of hours that we should be spending with players, yeah. and uh, and we certainly follow that, which is great. And I, do you find that it's too much at times, Rory? Are you are you okay with the uh, the amount that you're actually out there? Well, sometimes depending on how you are with school. Um, how, how your body feels after a couple of sessions, but no, I think I think four, five, sometimes six times a week. I think that's if you really love if you really love playing. I think that's enough. So. 
Yeah, well, I mean, and it's good. And they, we get games thrown in there as well that yeah. uh, you guys are exposed to at a, at a different level. I mean, obviously for you playing or still going to high school and and, uh, and as such, we actually have games against university teams and college teams. And yeah. how do you feel playing against that? Does that help? Oh, 100%. It's... Um Especially playing with kids bigger than you, stronger than you, sometimes twice your size. It's, um, it really helps you improve the gameplay, how you pl- have the speed of how you play. It's no, it's, it's great. It's great, yeah. Well, that's good. Barry, we're going to drag you in uh, as well here in the conversation. What are your thoughts about, uh, yeah, about Rory playing at an academy level and uh, with the pro team in, in the city and fears against your son playing against some of these adults and older people that they're playing against? Yeah, I think... Uh, I think for development, just to take it to the, take the player to the next level, they need that competitiveness on a daily basis, and that's what they get in training. And then when they're exposed to playing, particularly um, come summertime when they're playing in the Premier League, in the Edmonton Premier League, I mean, it's fantastic. You've got some quality players playing in that Premier League, and then our boys have got to go and compete against them. You know, and they've not got size on size on their side, so they've got to... You know they've, they've, they've got to use the skills and everything that they've been taught through the year, like the speed of play and so on and so forth. So, yeah. so yeah, it's fantastic to watch actually. And last year, they had um, they had a great success last year. I mean, it was uh, they got to provincials and they they really did um, themselves and, and the academy. You know, they were credit to it. Credit to the result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts, Jeff, on the on the whole? I guess the Premier League and knowing how young some of these players are and uh, getting involved uh, at this level. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm biased, obviously. You know, my opinions about about 16 and 17 year olds playing against men, but I think it's actually something lacking in in our country. We often play our best players against best players their age, and certainly in the U.S. Development League, which the MLS puts their academies in, which is a fantastic program, but it's still 16 year olds playing 16 year olds, and and I, I just I like to believe that because our players play against, like you said, college players, university players, uh, the physical attributes of our players don't necessarily help them in these games because who we're playing against, so they've got to use. They've got to be tactically smart. They've got to move the ball quickly. Uh, they, have to, they have to make decisions before they get the ball because some of these big lads will come into them and, and, and teach them the mistake of not moving it quickly. So I think it's a benefit to the program for these players. And, and I'll just throw out Shamit Shom. I mean, we look at Shamit. Before he played a first-team game for us, he had already played about 36 games against men. So, And regardless whether it's, it's Edmonton men's premier men versus NASL men, they're still big, strong players. And they still about the same type of speed for the majority of them. Yeah. And we have some very good players in men's premier. So I'm a believer in that. Yeah, and that leads me to my question for Rory and, and, and you too, Barry, is that when we, when you, it's well documented the success that Jeff Pauls has had with the academy in moving players to, well, Shamit is probably the, the, the best example that we can we show you. But there's an, other players, uh, Harris moved on to Europe. There's a, a couple other players that yeah, moved on to Europe. Amer. Amir. And then the yeah, Whitecaps, Amir. obviously, they've, they've grabbed a couple of our academy kids. What does that do for you, Rory, first of all? And then, Barry, Mary, maybe you can speak on behalf of seeing that, that the academy itself is producing something that you can say, my son's got it shot here. So gives me motivation. Seeing Shamit, Amar, all those players go on go on over the academy, it's it's nothing but motivation for me because I can see that the windows, the opportunities that's opened up. So, no, it's really good. I can really see it. 
Yeah, and I um, and again, you know, playing, and it, and it's not only in North America. You know, you look at Wayne Rooney. I mean, you you, you think um, I think he made his league debut for um, Everton when he was 16 or 17, and he scored that that goal at the corner at Highbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or the Emirates. It might have been by that time. I'm not sure if it was Highbury. <laughs> yeah. Showing me age now. Um, but anyway, I mean, it was it was amazing that. You know, for a, such a young kid, and then they, they take the stage. I mean, you got um, Marcus Rashford, and you know the list goes on and on and on, really. So these 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 young kids are getting exposed to playing with adults, and um, yeah, it prepares them for, you know, hopefully some of them going on a bit like Shami and going on to bigger and bigger and better things, really. Yeah, and, and now it kind of opens up a door for you, Jeff, to to call back on these players. Um, you know, once they've they've gone to the next step. They've been there for a few years. For them to come back and, and you know just maybe help run a session or or, yeah. or or come and talk to the players in the academy, I think that's going to be a huge tool for you as well in, in terms of recruiting and, and 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 helping the kids that you already have in the academy. Yeah, I think the nice thing is we have, and certainly you know Shamit uh, came in and trained a couple of days with us, and uh, we'll lose that maybe a bit now. Uh, he'll come in the off season, I imagine, when he's away from Montreal. But you know, we've had uh, Noah Cunningham come back and train. Morgan, who's graduated, he's down now in the states at San Diego. Um, he's come and trained a couple of days. Uh, Matt King is trained. Thomas Shores will, will come and train. So we've had some very Bruno Zevi has been unbelievably fantastic for this academy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and he's a player. I'll throw his name out. That that should be playing at uh, at least USL, in my opinion. So hopefully someone is listening and picks him up. But um, these, I think it's uh, I think it's a benefit to the young players that come through, especially the first players in their first year playing U18 in our academy, because uh, it's a big difference I think from the U16 program when they jump to the U18s, and the speed of play is faster and the players are bigger and stronger as well. So it's it's fantastic when they come back. Yeah, you can learn a lot from them. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm going to let everybody know that uh, here at the First Round Sports Pub, there's a huge uh, Oilers game going on, so you're going to hear lots of noise in the background. I think you probably heard some of the uh, national anthems there as we were speaking, just to give you the heads up. So if you hear the roar of uh, the restaurant here, that's that's what's going on. Um, just wanted to touch base, obviously, with uh, Rory and Barry in here. Uh, you're both from Manchester, from England. Oh, yeah. you, you obviously are from there because your dad's from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just trying to trying to sort of gauge what your thoughts are in regards to growing up there and obviously being so so submerged in the football culture. And well, just let us know a bit about that. How how was it for for both of you? Uh, yeah, well, yes, yeah, since being a kid, you know, football, well, as you know, soccer, football, whatever you wish to call it, um, that was, that is the number one sport in, well, globally, really, and, and you know, more so in the UK. Um, yeah, so there's no competition, you know, unlike unlike North America, you know, for years and years, we've had um, hockey, ice hockey, and um, Canadian football, but now, uh, you know, soccer, soccer is catching up, surely. Mm-hmm. But slowly, I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating how slowly it's catching up, and from your opinion, anyway. At least here in North America, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you know, I, I, you, you can see everything what's happened globally with you know these open borders and everything else. I think the uh, you know cultures are getting more and more diverse. You know, month by month, everything's getting more diverse. And guess what? The the game of soccer is a is a byproduct of that, and and that that grows with it, really. Yeah. Um, but growing up in Manchester, 
Yeah, number one sport. I mean, really, typically, if you weren't very good at football, you, your rugby was your game. So, right. <laughs> so one, one of the two. Right. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. So, but How yeah, much we, did you play there? I play football. I'm, okay. I play both. Okay. Yeah. So I know, I'm not sure. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, still being a young man, did you obviously while you were there, you know, playing the street football and stuff like that with your uh, your pals back uh, back there in Manchester? Oh yeah, all the time. Even at school, every chance we could get, we'd be playing football. Everyone would be watching it. It's just it's all over the place there, and it's. And yeah, so, so, and, and, go ahead. No, well, there's a great lead-in because I, I'm curious about the difference, and you've touched on it a little bit where you said every chance there was, every free moment, it would be you and your mates with the ball. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so what is the biggest difference? And you can both jump in at this as well. Um, but what would you say then is the biggest difference in what you see here in trying to develop young players in this country versus what you're used to before you've come here? Um, we also, from, from what I can see, Sport in Canada is very, very organised. You know, there's always, you know, a kid's, a kid's got his shin pads on and his football boots on. There's typically a parent in tow as well. You know, there's not that much kind of freestyle and free time to go and, you know, you, you, you look in, I don't know, South America, but I know in Europe, they've got these little um, AstroTurf courts, like these cages that, that they say, you know, and people throw a ball in there and then there's like 12-year-olds and 15-year-olds scrapping for the same ball. So, you know, it's... Um, I think the organised aspect of it and the social aspect, I think culture is just going that way. But it's a shame that we've kind of lost that freestyle, you know, kids in the street kicking a ball and breaking windows. I, I, I did break many of those things. <laughs> what about you? Time, you, you. Breaking any windows, <laughs> Rory? A couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that kind of mirrors the hockey culture here in, in at least Alberta, but all of Canada, I'm sure, where <clears throat> that, that kind of... Uh, neighborhood rink where it used to be the gathering place yeah. uh, every winter night, it's, it's kind of disappearing. Yeah, or the backyard right. rink or yeah. you, know, like you said some pond somewhere. Yeah, because, it's, it's, it, because you're right. It's more organized. It's more yeah. catered to the people who uh, you know, think they see something in their kids or their yeah. kids. You know, having to drive a, like, I was talking to a guy the other day who's, whose son is, I don't know, maybe a, a six-year-old in hockey and he's, he's, he's on the ice four times a week. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the, you know, he's got two games in three days. Like it's just it's it's weird, and then they don't play another game for a week and a half. Yeah. It, it seems strange. Yeah. It seems easier just to have these cages or or the neighborhood rinks that these kids yeah. can just go and play whenever they want yeah. and learn that way, especially at a young age. Yeah, obviously you're going to find some guys who are going to need that structure because they have an opportunity to take it further. But why not just go and have fun at first? Yeah, of course, of course. What do you think, Roy, the difference is and what you've experienced in Manchester versus here, football-wise? I think from a playing point of view, mainly there's more physicality-wise over there. You know, mm-hmm. you basically, if you're playing, you gotta, you got to learn to get put in a tackle. Over here, it's kind of more people kind of try to avoid it. That's how I feel anyway. Refs call it. But refs, refs yeah, refs are more strict over here. Yeah. But it's, no, it's... For me, physicality-wise, right, more people, more people enjoy playing in tackles, and it's just yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other, the other thing, I'll just jump in on. <clears throat> well, there's two points actually, but one to go back to um, the idea of these of these uh, outdoor pitches you're saying, and, and it's nothing back home that you'd see, you know, a ball thrown on a pitch and 12 year olds play against 15 year olds. And I've always thought when people ask what's the biggest weakness in a in a Canadian player, 
I've always thought it was shielding, the ability to use your body to shield the ball. And I think that's one of the, the biggest weaknesses of, technically of any Canadian player I've ever worked with. And part of the reason is we don't do that. So our games are so organized that 12-year-olds play against 12-year-olds. The refs call everything. If there's shoulder-to-shoulder, tweet, it's you know, a free kick. Uh, we don't have where our 12-year-olds play against 15-year-olds, and we don't have where the young player, the smaller player, uh, the, the yeah, the younger was smaller, whatever. They, we don't have a situation where they have to learn to use their body to get the ball. Otherwise, because if they don't learn that, they'll never touch the ball in a pickup game yeah, against older kids, point. right? So, yeah. so that's um, it, it's an interesting, yeah, it's just an observation. But I think it's an interesting thing where we don't have that in our game. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think you also pit on another good point there about the referees. Hmm. I mean. We all see the referee, whether it's in the Premier League or it's in the Victoria Soccer Centre on a, on, a, on a Saturday morning. You know, there's always questionable decisions, no matter what game. But I think sometimes here, and I, I don't know if it's the education of the game, but sometimes there's a perfectly clean tackle or, the, you know, they get the ball, but the, the, the kid with the ball takes a tumble and everyone's up off the seats and, yeah. it's, and, it's, and the referees kind of goes with the, the momentum of the crowd, if you like. And it's about... And That's right. It, it drives me crazy sometimes because that's that's fine. That's just a part of the game. Absolutely. And it's you know, and it's being influenced. And the kids, the kids look at that and saying, "Oh, that's not a, you know." They're kind of thinking, "I shouldn't be doing that because I'm going to get either telling off off the referee or I'm going to give the possession away." So mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think and hopefully you know, hopefully that, that I, I assume it's going to change. I'm, I'm, I don't know what it was like ten years ago soccer. Right. I'm sure you've seen massive. Oh, massive. A massive change. So yeah. maybe that's, that's a just huge, huge, huge difference for yeah, sure. It's big. Yeah. yeah, and the refing just and the ref, the refereeing will, will step up as well. I mean, it has to. Yeah. And um, yeah. but we we've lacked professional football for a long time here, and and the higher levels. So that that causes a problem because how high can a ref aspire to? You know, so typically they'll they'll do youth games and they'll do a, a Sunday game five v five indoor where they kind of basically lean against the bench and make calls from the, the midway line. Yeah. So there's not been a lot to progress their uh, development as well. So I think when we see a CPL come in and have our own pro league, it's going to drive refereeing to get better at all levels yeah. because now they have an angle they want to be a CPL ref. So that hopefully will increase uh, what they do, just like it would for players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I have to. Uh, we have to talk a little bit about this because uh, who, who's the team that you actually follow, Barry? I'm a Red. Now, there's only one set of Reds, and that's Manchester United. <laughs> I was sort of going to lead into, uh, I don't know, JP, uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I can't say a lot right now because Liverpool's in a bit of a slump at the moment. <laughs> um, but I do have one. This is actually a fair question, I think. So... How long, how long do you think, you, you both can answer this, but how long do you think it's going to take uh, Manchester to, to win as many Champions Leagues as Liverpool has? How many, how many more years from now do you think it will take to, to get to that level? I don't know. Hopefully it's not as long as it is for Liverpool to get to um, 19 Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Premier League as well. Not, not the old Division 1. That's right. Just saying. So hopefully not that long, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> and listen, before we go for a break, I've just got to ask Rory, what did you have for dinner tonight? <laughs> never mind, oh, never yeah. mind. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We want to thank the people on Facebook who've been uh, watching this segment of the show. Thanks, uh, gang. Hopefully, we'll get a little bit of information. And uh, if you've got questions, fire them out there. And uh, James, our producer, will let us know about some uh, some questions. Um, I, I, the other thing I should mention is that season ticket sales for our season coming up are going like uh, hotcakes. So let's jump on the bandwagon and see 
season ticket sales for um, for the FC Edmonton coming 2017-18 season is uh, is available through our office. So you can give us a, a shout or fcedmonton.com. You can uh, pick it up on online or check us out on our Facebook at the more information that you can grab to to get season tickets. So from the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton, this is Rabbit Radio. You're listening to, and we'll be right back. Official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back. Rabbit Radio Live from the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. Oilers in the background. Yes, lots of noise going to be happening if any goals happen, which... Well, there is, there a is one goal. There is a goal. It was, nobody it was, here cares about that goal. Wasn't, it wasn't an Oilers goal, no. that's for sure. Um, so we're back. Special guests, Barry and Rory Burke. Uh, Rory from the Academy. Barry made Rory. So uh, he needs to be here. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Definite resemblance. It's not the mailman. Um, we were talking about uh, Academy players and you know, just asking Rory what his thoughts were about the Academy. Um, let's take it to the next level. Getting Academy players... Into our first team, mm-hmm. or first teams in general, what's that next stage like? Do you think? I mean, we kind of we see it, we know what it's like, but so what are your thoughts behind that, Rory? And in, in what you think it takes to get to the next level, to to actually step up from an academy level to become an, uh, a prospect for uh, a first team? Well, obviously, it takes dedication. If you really, if, if it's really the path you want to do, then clearly, it's, you know. But um, no, I think I think why not? Why, why isn't it possible for any any academy player to go for a first team of any any sort of teams, depending on what whereabouts you are? But no, it's definitely it's definitely possible. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So so why don't you tell them the truth now? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rory. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm being a bit of a despise, and I'm not drinking alcohol. That's the whole thing. And have you guys noticed how things have slightly changed now that we're not live on Facebook anymore? Yeah, the beer's flowing. The beer is flowing. What are your thoughts, obviously, coming from Manchester and seeing, I don't know, have you seen people that you've known, uh, friends maybe, things that have gone through academies and, and have made that process or have gone to let's say the next level is that a something you've actually personally witnessed or yeah I um, well uh, as a kid I played at uh, a decent level and there was um, a lad that was on um, he was an older athlete I was an older athletic with him and he was a, a year older than I was and I think he was sixteen or seventeen years old uh, a kid by the name of Wayne Harrison and he was actually for a while he was actually the world record the highest. He got signed basically for two hundred and fifty thousand pound. Wow! And that was in nineteen eighty-six. Liverpool oh. bought him, hmm. and he was. Um, it was at the time apparently it was a world record. So I don't know if you want to Wikipedia that anybody. But yeah, Wayne Harrison. He was nineteen eighty-six. Wow. And he was um, worth. But you know something? I think he got an injury. He didn't get many chances at um, Liverpool, and he had a bad accident. And I think his career was basically over by about twenty-one. But wow. he, you know, he lived. He lived the dream for. 
albeit a few years. So pretty yeah. good, pretty yeah. good age to live that dream in too. Eh? Yeah. yeah. He was Andy Carroll and Ben Sake before they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andy Carroll's still playing though. Yeah, he's doing okay actually. And, and doing yeah. well. Once he's left us, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I won't get into it because I, I really don't know. Um, so it's, what do you think? That is that just what it takes? Is it just the dedication and the drive uh, from an athlete to, to want to achieve to, that helps them to get to that next level? Yeah. Is it, is it yeah. more luck? You know, you just happen to be seen by the right person who's looking sure for the attributes. I'm sure there are attributes. gems out there that don't get noticed by guys who are just happy to play with their friends and, uh, and, no, and you know, having a coach that's not qualified to scout the appropriate, you know, appropriately. So I bet you there's a ton of kids out there that are just, and they're happy doing so. It's not like they're yeah. missing out on know. something I, in life. But, yeah. But I'm sure there's a ton of kids that just miss even our academy, Jerry, even our academy. I mean, sure. There's certainly kids that we've probably missed bringing into our academy. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately the nature of the beast and maybe a, a lack of personnel to scout, whatever it is. But, um, but as far as making the next level, yeah, I mean, the, the technical ability has to be there. I mean, that's, that's kind of a given. Some players might make it to a certain level because they're, you know, the fastest person on the planet. As an example, so, so you might have those situations where they're not really a good footballer, but they have some attributes that maybe they can run down the flank. Okay, fair enough. But that, I think that's becoming more rare. Mm-hmm. I think now that the technique is just a given. So that that's one thing you have to check off the box. Um, game intelligence, I think now is becoming, and that's maybe kind of an open-ended term, and some people maybe laugh at that term, game intelligence. But you know, I just look at players that know where to be when they don't have the ball, and whether that's defending or attacking. And, and I look at those things as game intelligence and making quick decisions when you do you know where you're going to play the ball before you receive it. Uh, I think that's important for a player to go to the next level. But you know, Rory's mentioned there has to be a dedication and a determination. And if this is what you want to do in your life, then. What are you doing besides the four training sessions per week and the one game with, say, the F. Simonson Academy? What are you doing on your own time? Are you in the gym? <clears throat> we have a workout plan that we gave the players. We want to, we want to improve that and, and, of course, get them into a proper facility. But for now, we send them each home with a, a workout program. Are they doing that? Do, do players do that on their own time? Or do they not put it in the shelf, never see it again? And uh, so we don't check. There's no way of checking because players do it at home. So, but the player that wants to be a pro will probably do that program on their own time. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have a couple extra hours in the day, are they, are they with somebody kicking a ball? Do they do things like that? Uh, are they going to bed every night at a proper time? Do they sleep well? Because that is, in, in most young athletes meet, meet, uh, trying to hit another level, sleep is actually a determining factor. And so many kids yeah. miss out on sleep. Uh, and they think it's okay to game till 3 in the morning, and they get up and go to school all day and then have a proper training session at 3.30. You can't do that. So, yeah, what are they willing to sacrifice and give up on their own time away from the game when they're not with their coach? Yeah. And, I, and I suppose that's something that's really tough to tell of, of you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old that's uh, got a little bit of pizzazz to want to do it, to have the, the maturity of thought to actually have a little bit more discipline in what they do mm-hmm. and what they need to do. I wonder if that's something we only have to tell players in, in North America. I, I wonder, do you have to tell the... Do you have to tell the the 13-year-old or 14-year-old young Brazilian kid that's growing up in one of the favelas that uh, they need to go kick a ball to get better? Or is there a determination to improve their life and get out of there and and they know that that ball is going to be the thing that develops them and will they just do that? Do you have to tell a kid from, you know, Manchester? 
that they have to grab a ball if they want to get better at the game that they just need that I don't know if you have to tell these things in certain areas of the country no, you, don't. you certainly need to tell it to the young uh, kid in Liverpool because no. they're all born with the but ball isn't their that, feet isn't that also the hardest way to scout too right I heard that on the radio is exactly your point Jeff just the other day and I can't remember who was speaking on the radio but the, their point was look I mean you can watch somebody in a structured academy training session or a game all you want but you can't follow that kid home you can't see what he's eating you can't right. see uh, is he is he focused on the right things uh, or she mm-hmm. um, are they doing extra work with the ball afterwards just on their own just kicking it up against the wall you know for hours a night you don't get the scouts don't get to see that part mm-hmm. of it and right. that's often where I think kids get missed is that there are they are doing that maybe their parents couldn't afford to put them in the club that gets scouted yeah. you know um, yeah. and, and that's that's kind of what um, well, I, this is a weird – it's not that it's a segue, but yeah. a weird thing to bring up that Tim Adams here at Edmonton yeah. started up this free footy program where it focuses on inner-city kids uh, who don't normally get the same opportunities as, as folks with, a, with some expendable income. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, was it Alphonse Davies came from, from free footy originally? Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. just there, there are kids out there that just are begging to get discovered, and it's so hard to find them. Um, so the more opportunities we can give them, the better. Um, yeah. But no, exactly your point. Like that is that kid doing that little extra after training? Yeah, Not, I, more I, than just a little extra. I think there was another point that you had commented on, uh, and that was uh, an understanding of the game itself. Now, for you, Rory, and, and of course Barry, obviously watching football was something you did all the time at home, even right? bad football. Well, even bad football, but I mean, <laughs> watching football nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got to say that that dominates our TV on a on a on a Saturday morning and a Sunday as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Then did you help? That, did that help your game? Do you think, Rory, by watching some of this stuff, are you getting an, an understanding or a better understanding of the game itself? Yeah, yeah. We're watching it on TV. Like from from my point of view, sometimes I see people that are playing at this level but aren't watching enough enough football on TV, and they just think that playing is going to help them going to help them improve but I think I think a big part of improving as a player is watching it and um, back when we went back home for Christmas we went to a couple of Man United games and um, it's completely different watching it when you're there because you can if you're watching for me I'm a right back I was watching Valencia I was watching what he was doing I was picking times where he was going ahead staying back but it's just watching it is just such a big part of improving as a player so no it's, it's huge yeah yeah, I'll jump to the question then for you, Rory. It's, it's um, so one of the things that we identified in the academy uh, a few years back was a, a lack of, kind of a lack of maybe a game knowledge in amongst our players. And people came into the program technically, you know, pretty good, um, physically okay, but we found when we put them into a game or asked them to do certain things, they didn't understand the game at all. So uh, the academy is built on a periodization model. We've got a tactical plan in place, and we try to develop every session based on our tactical plan to try to teach the game actually more away from the ball than on the ball uh, because you're getting your touches in the game anyhow. So all that's taking place on the ball, but we, we try to do a lot of work away from the ball. And I've never really actually asked the players if, 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 if you're aware of that's what we're doing, first of all, that we're trying to develop a game understanding, if it makes sense, if it's... So what are your thoughts on that? And you can be very honest on this. And pl- there's a difference between just watching it and really watching it. Because if, you, um, if you're just watching it, you're just watching the game, not really, not really into it, kind of just there. But 
really focusing on different different moments in the game and if you can relate that to you then you know it's and then if it carries back onto the field if you really learn something from watching and um no just just I I can't really stress enough how big watching it is I'm so it's it's watching it from a perspective of learning mm-hmm. yeah. more than watching it as a fan yeah yeah, I think is it, and that makes a difference. It's, I yeah. guess it would be the same as us breaking down video and bringing it into oh, yeah. our team to have them watch certain mm-hmm. video on aspects of the team we're playing against and how we should play the following match right. based on those videos. Yeah, JP. I'm sorry if you touched on this because I was spending my whole time trying to think of a clever question. So <laughs> I might have missed it. But when you're when you're doing a drill with these guys <clears throat> and you're doing it, you know you're doing that drill for a specific reason, right? And it often relates to a game situation or, yeah. or, or what have you. Do you then take the time to explain this is why we're doing this drill, guys? This is what how we want to see it implemented implemented in a game. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what? Well, I, I hope I do. I, I think I do. I, I, as much as possible, I try to explain. I, I try to. Uh, hopefully, I'm explaining it because my intent is to try to explain what we're doing in an exercise to how it relates into the game. So, or I want to give a reason why we do that. I don't want to just go out and right, do something do and have players do it just right. for the sake of doing. It. I want them to understand why we're doing it. And but but you can answer that better than I can, Rory. Like, does that yeah, happen like, when we do these exercises? Because again, it is based on a model of play, our, our training system, our training style. Yeah. Does it make sense to you guys as players? Like, do you are you able to kind of take what we do in, the, in a training drill or exercise and say this is how it is in a game? Like, this is what we want to do in a game. Does it make sense? Yeah. Well, like. In, in, in our training sessions, we do different passing patterns, drop passes, all sorts of um, all sorts of ways to move the ball forward. But I think it definitely, doing it in training, I think it definitely carries on to a game mm-hmm. because you've, you've experienced it, you've gone through it, so you already kind of it's already kind of in the back of your head. You know what okay. you're doing. So now you say you watch the games and things like that, obviously to to, to watch, like you said, Valencia and, and different players in your position move about. Just as Andreas and, and uh, JP were talking about the drills and how they relate to a game, do you actually can you actually watch a match and think we did that last week? We did this drill and moved the ball this way, and I'm seeing it now in a match, a pro match. Do, do you ever notice that at all, or do you ever you know? De- does that- yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I um, I'm seeing all sorts of. Move, movement off the ball, on the ball, what we learn in the academy. You know, it's all there. It's all there. You just got to look and, you know. But, yeah, definitely. Awesome. You're doing a good job, JP. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, do you want to go back to the bug and berry about Man United? No? <laughs> no, I can't. No, I can't can at the moment. I know, I know. There's I nothing know. I can say right now. We're, we're in a horrendous, a bit of form currently. So I'm actually very quiet these days on Twitter as well. What about you? Go ahead. I was just, just going to add, actually. You asked yeah. the question about how, how these kids can transition into professional football. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I we were talking earlier about how, um, how it's different in the UK than it is to Canada. And one massive thing I find here on uh, professional sport. Let's just take ice hockey. Let's just let's go off soccer for just for a moment. But yeah. Let's go to ice hockey. Now, really, kids um, kids develop at different ages, like um, physically and mentally. So even a kid that is, is under eighteen, 
might be a completely different. He's going to be a different animal when he's 21. Right. But what, one thing that's really apparent in um, in Canada and North America is if you're not if, if you're not playing AAA hockey at the time of 13, guess what? You're never going to get to the Bantam draft. Right. And you're never, never, ever going to be even considered to go any further in hockey. You're going to be playing house league when you're 16, or maybe you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, playing at a lower level, but. As where in the UK, you know, you've got so many players. You've got Vardy, you've got Ian Wright, um, who played right. for Arsenal. You know, these guys had, I think one was a plumber, I think one was an electrician maybe, by the time they were 21, playing non-league, sure. holding full-time jobs down. Yeah. And these guys got picked out and, and, and thrown in sort of later in life. So, yeah, and, and there's not, you know, with the, with the Canadian Premier League, maybe some of these 17, 18, 19-year-olds... Yeah. Maybe they can go on and they've still got something to aspire to, even yeah. if they're not going playing for a, a top university. That's Cause, right. Because, again, if you're not playing for a top university, you're probably not going to get in the MLS draft. Yeah, the, absolutely. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's other benefits to, you know, developing that league, you know, those higher levels for, yeah, these, these, younger, for sure. these younger adults to play in, really. So, yeah, yeah just a. Just thought I'd throw that in there. No, no, no that's, it's, it's spot on with what you're saying. And uh, it's something that uh, you're right. There are going to be players that may not make the academy right away that, that may still have an opportunity somewhere down the line. It's like you said with all those guys, uh, like Vardy, for example, who was non-league for the longest time. And yeah. Yeah. boom, out of, the, out of the blue, he's making millions of pounds and playing at the top flight. Yeah, it, it's, it's an extremely valid point, even you know, closer to home for us because... At 18, uh, we've had some players sign a first-team contract, but the ones that don't will go to university. So, but what about that, that 18-year-old to 21-year-old that, that maybe doesn't want to go to school, uh, yeah. that wants to work, that, or that just wants to be a professional footballer? Yeah. So it's that kind of gap, and, and you know that 18 to 21 that year period where it's critical. We know that we can still develop players then. Um, we don't have a place for them because, again, maybe one or two might, might make our first team at the moment. So, you know, you don't have a place for those players. So, yeah, it's it's a glaring um, hole in our development structure in this country. You know, I think our country's also been very poor at, at uh, talent identification. We're, we're often talent selectors, and that's in hockey and, and in our sport. And by talent selection, um, typically that means you're, you're selecting to win. In, in at least in our sport in this country, and selecting twin means you often go for the big, strong, fast kid that's matured faster than the other kids in his age group, and you're not you're not selecting talent, you know. And Raymond Bryan on this course said it was a fantastic quote, and he actually got a, almost a standing ovation for it. But he said the only um, you only need to be big in football if you can't play football. And I thought, what a fantastic comment! You tweeted that, is. that out, I think. Yeah, uh, I did tweet it as out well. I, I remember it. hearing so, it. Yeah, but it's, it's a great comment, and you know, we we do have now, and hopefully, we'll see more of these starting. And you know, uh, Jimmy there just kind of passed over a comment about the TSS uh, Rovers. It's Rovers, right? They're going to call, yeah, and that's the TSS Academy. It's Colin Elms Group. Yeah, it's Colin Elms Group, and um, fantastic. They've just they just purchased a PDL spot for this year, and they're they're going to be uh, exclusively Canadian on that team and uh, they've, they've made a mandate for that you know and, and that'll be a great home for the 18 to 21 year old and I mean that tends to be an extension at the moment PDL is an extension of the university season yeah. um, I think it's going to have to evolve and become more than that because NCAA is going full year programs uh, within the next couple of years and that will limit the PDL's effectiveness in the state so mm-hmm. they need to evolve now as well but uh, but certainly we need more of these PDL type type programs that will will hit on that 18 to 21 year old that wants to be a pro football. Look at Bruno Zebi's a great example. Bruno's Bruno's a kid for me that can play professional soccer right now, and um, 
he he's at university. He was at Nate. Uh, he came in, signed a one-day contract, one-game contract with us. And now, you know, doesn't have an agent, stuck in Edmonton. What does he do? He's at the U of A, had a great year. I thought he was actually the best player on the pitch in the uh, CIS final. Um, that's them and Montreal. He was the best player on the pitch that mm-hmm. game. Uh, he's dying to become a professional footballer, you know. And so what do we have for those players? And that that's a gap. So it's a great comment, Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and on that note, we're going to take another quick break here. Uh, and when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll maybe touch base a little bit on... Uh, Jeff's excursion to Toronto just recently for uh, for a conference there and a convention, and maybe tie in a little bit about this uh, Verheyen gentleman and and some of his thoughts behind periodization and stuff like that. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, you're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton from the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. I could slow things down and make it more creative, but I won't because we're taking a break. We'll see you. podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back at the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. This is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. I alluded earlier that we would talk a little bit about JP's visit to Toronto. and We all uh, fell asleep. Well, no, no. We didn't fall asleep. Oh, we it would be a, a talk for the, another time, maybe. Yeah, another fine. time. You another know? time. Another time. We will talk a little bit about the NASL and uh, the eight-team league that is going to be starting up here. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'll just keep babbling. No, bang on. I'm really bang good on. at really good at babbling. That's 100. Um, the other thing I should throw out there: some of the Facebook questions we've been getting about new signings and who's re-signed. Uh, all I can tell you is that at least at this point, because we're only you know day two of uh, of our podcast coming back to you this season, um, signings will be happening by the end of the week. So by the time you get this recording. Uh, at this end of it, we, we should have some record, uh, some signings uh, mentioned or well, laid out there. We've got signings already, D Dub. No, I should know, but what them? I'm saying, new stuff, new Monday. Monday. Now I'm getting yelled at. Monday. Okay, Monday. so forget what I've said it totally here. In fact, I could hit delete right now and just wipe the entire show out. How does that sound? Nah, huh? no, we're, no, we're, just edit. No, we're doing we're doing really well. <laughs> All right, and I, you know what? We still have Barry and Rory Burke in as guests, which uh, I would love to have. Barry, jump in with your question. You had a question. Off air, we were talking a little bit about the NASL and just leagues in general. What was the question you, uh, you posed? Yeah, I've always been uh, curious. You know, earlier we were talking about comparisons between um, you know, Europe and um, North America. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering where the NASL compares with leagues around the world and also the MLS, what, what, what the equivalent is in, let's say, in, in England. You know, who... Who are the equivalents, should we say? So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Well, I mean, locally, if you want to look locally, um, MLS, I think obviously the depth of players uh, and the, um, the designated player rule that the MLS has, you know, that, that puts them above, you know, as far as level of play. 
however, in a one-off, we, you know, we I think we've already proven that we can compete with with the MLS teams in Canada at least in a one-off, and we've done that by beating Montreal uh, and competing with um, Vancouver every time we played them. Uh, so. In a one game, we're close. You know, we can field 11 players that will, will stand up to most MLS clubs, 11 players. It, you know, especially if you take away that designated player. Now, obviously, we don't have a Giovinco in our league. Yeah. Um, but we do have some senior players that have been at that level of player, you know, early in their careers. So we do get the Joe Coles in our league and the Raouls and the Senas later on in years. But, I mean, I think Joe Cole came in last year and... Um, he played. He wasn't on a holiday. He wasn't. No. He wasn't enjoying the warm weather in Tampa. He well, he now came he's to play through through the USL as well. Yeah, so he stayed kudos to him for yeah. 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 And he was a fantastic player for Definitely. them. Yeah. I think so. And it, yeah. the pitch didn't matter or anything. A lot of these guys, even in the MLS, as soon as they find out they're playing on a turf surface as opposed to an all grass or a, a real grass surface, they yeah. bail. They they like. I mean, even Henri didn't play as many games in the MLS as he probably could have. Right. Based on the the turf. Not playing on turf. Um, now, if you look overseas, for us, the biggest comparison we have is when you look at players where they sign from and when they come play for F. Samuelson. So we've had a player that's played first division in Iceland. Uh, he came over and, you know, there, there's all sorts of things that are going to affect a player. There's the cultural impact. There's the climate. There's playing on turf if you're not used to playing on turf. Food, everything. Food, uh, missing home if it's your first time away. So these are all factors for sure. Uh, but as far as level of play, you know, we've had a player from Iceland come in, and, and he was a, you could tell he was a good player, but he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to factor into our starting 11, uh, at least in early days. You know, we've had players come over from Scottish First Division that have done well. Uh, but fit in. So uh, I wouldn't say that uh, players have come in and because they've played in the Scottish Premier Division, for example, have come in and been the elite player in our league. That's not been the case. Um, I, Guy Dub asked me a question today. He was looking at a player from Sweden, <clears throat> from the top division in Sweden, the Alsvenskan, and he said, what, how does that compare to our league? And I remember Manma came and played Tampa in a preseason game Two years ago, I think it was. Right. And, I mean, Manma were Swedish champions at the time. They were in the Champions League doing fairly well. And uh, they won 4-0. Right. But that's, a, that's a, you know, the top Big team club. in a league compared to yeah. Tampa was middle of the table at that yeah. time, I think, in a preseason friendly. So it's so hard to gauge, I think. It, it is really hard to gauge, yeah. I think. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you see a lot of teams, and, and they'll beat, again, one-offs. They'll do well in the summer, let's say, when uh, the Premier Leagues come over, which a lot of them do. They'll make a tour of North America, and they'll play these exhibition series games to for fitness themselves. Uh, yeah. And they'll get beaten by MLS teams or an MLS all all-star team, uh, and they'll win games as well, uh, or there'll be a real close battle. But again, you have to think of the time of the season too. It's you know the Premier League's just starting, and, right. and it's mid-season or, or later for yeah, the yeah. MLS sides. Well, I think that's going to help us, D-Dub, in terms of um, and just being selfish here, talking about preseason uh, quality of play in preseason for for well FC Edmonton in particular. You know, we last year we went to Scotland and played. Um, played, uh, you know, Scottish Premier League teams and, and, and championship teams or whatever they call yeah. it in the second division in Scotland. But we were playing their U23s. And, you know, some, that, that, that's, that's, it's a different type of, of soccer or football over there that our players weren't used to. Colin really wanted to get the physical play out of the players, and they definitely got that. They saw that there. But if you took the club to, say, Spain, 
uh, and played, uh, you know, U23s on a, a La Liga, would it be the similar results or would it be different results? Or I'm not sure we touched the ball. That's a good point, yeah. I'm not sure we touched ball against Real Madrid's B team. U23, so I, I don't know if we'd ever... I don't know. But but I think my, well, I mean, again, my point Unless is, we do it, you don't yeah. know, right? So, you, But you're right. I, I think... I, my, I, I understand your point. Well, my point is my point is that, you know, now the USL's got this big league going on and th- their schedules are starting to match us. So I think in North America, we're, we're going to start getting more... Um, you're going to see more teams, like NASL teams playing USL teams or, you know, MLS reserve teams in preseason. Yeah which will help gauge at least within North America where leagues stand. Mm-hmm. And then you can go beyond into Europe and South America, Mexico, yeah. or Central America, wherever, and compare those as well. It's funny because you only see the one-offs. You don't actually sure, see yeah. a lot of the, uh, like, could, could let's say, uh, a, a Portland Timbers who won it all, you know, two years ago, didn't win it last year. But could they play consistently? Uh, at a really good level, high level for an entire Premier League season. What do you, I mean? What do you two think? What do you think? How, having well, watched my, the game for so long. Yeah, my um, I kind of look at the MLS and I think maybe lower kind of Premier League. You know, say teams like Liverpool and maybe Hull. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, Championship. Uh, that's that's what I see the MLS. Yeah. And I think the uh, the NASL. I think. I think somewhere in the in the full time in in the UK the, the full time players you know like division division two maybe right you, know, you look at where the, the players come from mm-hmm. and again I mean it's football so any given day anything can happen you know yeah, you look sure, at yeah. the FA Cup yeah. over the weekend and we had <laughs> we had Sutton yeah like beating Leeds I mean uh, amazing I mean it's fantastic you got these non league teams who you know we've got electricians and plumbers yeah. playing against these full timers and. So yeah, it's very it's so difficult. Yeah. To well, and I think that's that's our vision here too. I think we were off air when we were talking about the uh, the Canadian Championship and what that could look like in the future, and would PDL teams be involved? Uh, and you had some points about uh, about amateur, amateur status, amateur, the Alberta Major League Soccer being the champions being involved in that, yeah. possibly, or down the road CPL being involved in that. Yeah. I think the more you can. The more you can feed into the cup competitions, the more you're going to see yeah. some, some uh, you know, some, some league comparisons that are more accurate. I also think you'll see a greater fan base in all leagues in general. I agree totally. You yeah. know, if you, if you mean, get an opportunity to have your local club team. Regional games. Exactly. Go on to play huge. in an Amway championship can game. You imagine yeah. having, can you imagine getting to take a bus down QE2 to play a play a meaningful game rather than flying eight hours to play a meaningful game? I mean, that would be that would yeah. make Tom really happy. I know that. <laughs> yeah, it makes me very happy. I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah. So, like I said, I mean, it's a tough thing to... to to, well, to categorize. Year, I mean, you can you can see you can see where you'd think they would fit in, but I mean, and, until you actually crossed over and had an MLS team, okay, we're we're now going to go play in Europe for a season. I mean, that would be the optimum. To, who to, was to the team last year? We played. Um, I don't know if it was Airdrie or the other one that played about seven or eight of their starters in the in the first half. It was in the stadium. So was that Airdrie? Yeah, Airdrie was in the stadium. Yeah, in the stadium. I, mean, I think they played about stadium. seven of their starting players. Yeah, man, their had to pull them off players, right? Eventually. And then he pulled them off. I think about forty minutes in, whatever right. it was. But you know what? I mean, I thought at the time, 
that if you brought that team and they played a full season in the NASL, that uh, that might not be a playoff team in the NASL. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. I think they would struggle in our league. So, yeah, just technically they would have struggled. Well, in our you league. also have to think about yeah. the point. Uh, the the point they're at in their season compared to where we're at in the season. We're trying out kids who. You know, might not have a shot. I mean, jeez, we had a couple of academy kids in that game. Yeah. You know, that we already re- we already know they're not going to be in the first team roster. Whereas we're playing against a team who's mid-season. And, you know, they're... Well, I mean, that's the other part. I think partly, I mean, you wanted to play... We all wanted to play all the first teams. That's who you want to play. Of course. But, but because they're still in the midst of a championship run and trying to... You know, jockey for positions within the league, whether it has monetary value to them or whatever, it, or just, you know, moving up a league or division, whatever it may be, it, it makes sense to, you know, you're not going to play all those yeah. players. It's, it's much like watching these MLS teams when they come into the Amway and they're playing the likes of us or Ottawa sure. and they think they're going to play lesser players. And well, it's a, good, it's a good point you make, D. Devin, and it'll be interesting to see how NESL clubs continue including FC Hamilton continue on down the road in, in terms of preseason is it are you getting what you want out of that long distance trip uh, are you getting what you want out of the games or can you organize something here within North America where all the teams converge on Orlando or Phoenix or wherever mm-hmm. somewhere where there's not snow on the ground yeah. and, and and have a tournament amongst like-minded clubs on the same schedule on the same yeah, I, I, point I, in their in, in their schedule. You know what? I'm sure I'm sure that can happen. I'm sure that's something that could be arranged. All it takes is three or four people to, to put it together. I, I mean, there I are do, tournaments like that. Yeah, right? and I are. do recall our very first stint with the club was was going into one of these so-called tournaments in Florida. Uh, where we were supposed to play a couple of uh, different... That whole thing fell apart, it didn't did, it? We were just well, ended up playing saying. random teams. It, it, yeah. it did fall apart. We ended up playing a couple of local teams, much yeah. like uh, yeah. the Alberta Major Soccer. We played the top flight team there. MPSL. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and MPSL? I can't remember what it was, but I yeah, think you're MPSL. right. Were they even MPSL? Uh, yeah, okay. I, I think so. I think you're right. Um, I mean, there's something to be said for those kind of games, too, because you can work on exactly what well, you work on. I mean, I think games. the point I was trying to make, though, about going to a Europe or anything like that is 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 the bonding that you have amongst the team, uh, the cultural uh, thing, because, you know, football is life over in Europe, period. Uh, so I think that really helps in, in gelling a team and bringing a team together. Um, do you have to do trips like that? Well, no, of course not. I mean, there's always something else you can do, but there's there's definitely worth within those types of trips. Yeah, you're definitely going to gain something out of them, but then there's also something to be said for staying local, of course, keeping it cheap, and and, and getting a, some 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 games against teams that you're going to be compared against. Yeah, and, and that makes sense too. Um, I, I think that's. Uh, I don't know if that goes back to the question of you know how do you compare the leagues, but uh, yeah, you, you sound like a politician actually. You kind uh, of do I? A question that uh, yeah, I'm impressed. Well, how about this <laughs> for, cool. uh, for a definite? How about you know we're somewhere around like the um, English first division um, or Scottish Premier Division? Yeah. Wow. I'll take there it. I've got it. And Colin Miller. He's, he's on a flight right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he'll go, he'll go back. He'll be in the archives listening to this to find out exactly what's going on. Well, uh, in, in uh, just the year before the Rangers got promoted, uh, they did a tour of the U.S. and they played PDL teams. And I believe yeah, they right. did not win a game. That's right. They played Victoria so, Islanders. Well, I think that was the only game they won. Was the game yeah. against the Highlanders? Well, they, they won by one goal. It was like three to two or two to one or oh, something like that. The one they won? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. And it and it shouldn't have been. It should have been cl- a lot closer. 
Blair Sturrock played in that game yeah. for Victoria, didn't he? Yeah. So, so based on that, then we could say it's safe to say that we are as good as the Rangers in the Scottish Premiership. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I, I can tell you one, one thing uh, for sure is that the gaffer would be extremely pleased if we got to have a match like that yeah. and play against them. He'd be over the moon for that. Hey, listen, I want to thank uh, Barry and Rory Burke for stepping in and coming on down and talking to Little Academy. And uh, Is he a good kid? He's, uh, he's, he's not a bad kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> just making sure. Just making sure. But thanks for having us. <laughs> not a problem. Andreas Morris, of Eat course, up. as always. Jeff Paulus, as always. And uh, James Nielsen, our media guru, who's always in here helping us uh, do things properly and making sure Facebook runs just smoothly. Making sure he gets fed is all he Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. So for yet another episode, the 18th episode of uh, Rabbit Radio. I want to thank everybody for listening in. And uh, again, just a reminder, get out there, get the season's tickets going. Head down to the South Centre if you're in Edmonton to uh, check out our uh, store, um, FC Edmonton Shop, uh, and you can purchase tickets and season's tickets there. So get on the bandwagon. Let's get this season going uh, like a hot potato there. Hot potato with the tickets, so to speak. <laughs> All right. I'm DW, as always, uh, being an idiot, and everybody's uh, giggling at me. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. End of the show. Thanks for coming. Rabbit Radio, live from the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton, and we'll see you next week. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton.